Are you tired of people only telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the last 30 years, I've been blessed to speak to thousands of people around the world and share the stage with some of the world's biggest thought leaders, including Barbara Walters, Tony Robbins, Barbara Corcoran, and Gary Vee. The Get Real podcast is my way of breaking down the BS of the filters of what we say and what we do. Real life, real issues, real solutions. Trust me when I tell you, it wasn't always like that for me. And I'm excited to help you through sharing what has worked for me, but most importantly, it didn't work for me. In the world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, what is real? In my life, I always look to people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to be real with me to help me move through it. With this podcast, I want to be that person for you. Whether it's just us or I bring in one of my friends, I promise these episodes will make a difference in your life. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And now it's time to get into the podcast. Here's Lauren. Well, welcome everybody to Get Real and Stay True. We're going to say second time around. You can't see us dancing, but we are dancing here. We had this, I'm on with my dear friend, Siri Limley. We're laughing because we did the most fun podcast. It was like an hour and 15 minutes. We went so deep. And I looked over and I'm like, no, no way. It only recorded like six minutes of it. And I'm like, oh, Siri. And we had everything ready to go, right? We had like, we had the, the, the promo piece ready to go and ready to launch it. And then it's kind of like life. Life throws you some shit and you just are like, okay, let's figure out what we're going to do. So I guess it was pretty divine. Same thing I said, my computer, for some reason, my laptop just like decided not to work. Then my new, you know, MacBook, whatever, Pro, it decided not to work. So now we're just being resourceful and Siri's <laughs> recording this as well. So Siri is, an, how do I explain her? She's just like a heart with legs is what I would say about her. And boy, can this girl dance. I think you can do that. What's that thing that everybody talks about? The, the floss? I think that's what you do. I try to do it, but I can't dance oh like you. Um, but Siri is an American triathlon coach and former professional triathlete. She is the 2001 ITU. I'm sure you can talk about what an ITU is. Uh, triathlon world champion and is the winner of the 2001 and 2002 ITU triathlon world cup series and on and on and on and on. And her and her beautiful wife, Rebecca, they are out there really saving horses and just everything about them. I just love, I just want to hug her. I might just get in my car and drive up to Colorado. (laughs) Come hang out, come hang out with you. Please. I think you're originally from Connecticut, right? You're originally from Connecticut? Greenwich, Connecticut. But you need awesome. to come visit us now, Lauren. And I feel so lucky to have some more time with you. So maybe that's why it wasn't worth Maybe that is why it happened. It's just because we talked about all this time that we were going to be together. And, you know, the name of this this podcast, I was like, it was like, you know, what are you going to do in your podcast? Why are you doing it? And really, it's just because I wanted to introduce all the amazing people that have come into my life to the world. I wanted to share them with the world. And I know a lot of people want to share you with the world. But um, we've, we've had the opportunity to really work side by side in Fiji together. 
And uh, I think, you know, we just had some pretty special magic moments at events. And, and uh, but what I just love about you truly is your heart. And I know that, you know, you, you've been a coach and coaching people with regards to triathlons, but also with regards just really just life and how to deal with life as well when life throws you curveballs. And life's thrown you some curveballs. Um, I love your book, Surfacing. And I really want to talk about that a little bit later, too. But let's just get real. Let's just talk about, you know, I think that you're right. It, it gave us an opportunity just to kind of rediscover why we're really doing this and what people are going through now. Um, and we, we met through Tony Robbins. And, um, you know, so grateful, right, for all that we have learned with regards to just, you know, how to really you know that it's all in your head right and uh that we know that and you and whether i'm sure as a as an athlete or when you're going through a life challenge or just with regards to business everything's in your head i remember when i did the alaska marathon um <laughs> and i didn't i'm just saying i did the alaska marathon we won't look at the time that it took me to do it it's amazing. but i did it and I remember them saying that that last 20, you know, that last six miles at mile 20, it was all like psychological with regards to everything. And I can't even imagine about what it's like to be uh, with regards to being a triathlete, but I learned so much from that experience. One, uh, and maybe this is once again, is it's interesting that we're talking uh, because I knew I had to do it for a reason bigger than just me doing a triathlon and I'm like okay well what can I do to give back right and so I signed up for team and training and so it was to raise money for leukemia and I uh I was and I was like oh five thousand dollars that's gonna be easy like I have five thousand friends everybody's gonna give me a dollar and then I was like oh my god like I can't believe it it's so hard to raise five thousand dollars and then I said well, where am I gonna do this triathlon and everybody's like oh do the Alaska marathon I'm not a triathlon, uh, do the Alaska marathon. I said, do, the, do that. And I'm like, okay. Well, little did I know that the Alaska marathon was like bears and moose and you're by yourself like 95% of the time. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, a, this is a mind, you know what, to me. And uh, I did it, you know, I did it. But I think like you, what drives us both is really that of contribution and, you know, that we do it more than just, just for the, you know, the act of being a triathlete or doing a marathon or speaking in front of the room. It's more for how can we be a catalyst for so much. Right. Absolutely. So, so I'd love just to know like a little bit of your, your story. I mean, they'd all love to know a little bit of your story and what drives you. Well, first of all, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is where we really connect is it, it is all about, you know, what can we give back to the world? And I feel so blessed for all the experiences that I've had throughout my life. And yeah, there have been some, some great struggles. Um, but knowing that I found my way through those struggles and had the courage to keep moving forward and had the ability to learn from everything that was happening to me um, and having that lead to my ultimate success in the things I loved and cared about, that has, has given me this intense desire to want to share 
everything that I've learned along the way so that other people won't have to go through the depth of those struggles, those same struggles, or they'll be able to get out of their problems quicker or find greater joy in their lives or find belief in themselves. My story began uh, when I was in college. I was absolutely riddled with anxiety and, and just suffocated by fears. And on the outside, like it looked like I had it made. I was going to Brown University, getting great grades. I'm a three-sport varsity athlete. And so it looked like everything was just great. But really, on the inside, I was slowly dying because I, I developed this intense case of OCD. And that's like, yeah, it was me flicking the lights on and off, on and off, or washing my hands for 15 minutes until I could get a horrible thought out of my mind, or taking an hour to get dressed in the morning. And I felt like an absolute crazy person. And, and I didn't know what was wrong with me because in those days, people didn't openly talk about anxiety yeah. and, and things like OCD. So I thought I was all alone and, and I felt so alone and I felt like I was so desperate to like run away from myself, but I couldn't get away. I couldn't get out of my own skin. And this is when I got introduced to Tony Robbins through his book, Unlimited Power. And it was his simple, simple statement where focus goes, energy flows. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, my God, all I'm thinking about is what's missing, what I'm afraid of, what I don't want to have happen, what I have no control over. No wonder I'm miserable. No wonder I'm anxious. No wonder I'm fearful. And when I realized that if I just really discipline my mind to focus on what I had, you know, all the great things in my life, what I wanted to create and what I loved and what I had all the control over, which was basically my own experience of life. It changed everything for me. It, yeah. it freed me of the chains of this OCD. It led me to triathlon and I found this sport. And when I found triathlon, I didn't know how to swim. I was 23 years old. I did my first race. I absolutely sucked. I mean, I just got, I, I came in dead last. I nearly drowned on the swim. I got off the bike and I was running with my helmet on. People were laughing at me, but I had never felt so alive in my entire life. Wow. And I knew that I had to pursue this because this was going to be a way where I could find myself and, and discover what I was made of and, and take on something that seemed impossible. And, um, but what made you pick that? You know, it's interesting. You, it's funny. We both discovered Tony, I guess in, in college, <laughs> mine was my, my boyfriend at the time, he was walking by the bookstore, different books at the time. Um, and he said, and he saw this book, it said unlimited power. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's so you. And he bought me the book. He goes, one day we're going to go to a a Tony Robbins seminar. I'm like, what? I'm like, who's Tony Robbins? It was 1987. He had just written. And I'm like, I'm going to Atlanta and taking a job and working for CNN. And then I'm going to, you know, and then instead I moved to Colorado and work on my doctorate of waitressing and then ended up at Tony's house in 1989 at the, at the castle. But it's funny because there's always that one line, right? Like yes. that you'll hear and that that transform your life. And my one line that I heard from Tony was that don't let your rear view mirror be your guide. And it's be, and it was all those stories, right? The stories that we make up in our head of like why we can't do something, why we can't move on, why we can't have this or, or, or create something in our lives. So 
what made you pick the a triathlon? Like, what made you? What about that one thing said? I that's where I'm I'm headed. Like some. So- you know, during those really tough years in college, I, I was always, I played on a team and I was playing varsity. I was, you know, a great athlete and, and getting great results, but I always had this incredible team around me. So you kind of, you win together and you lose together. And I didn't really know what my impact on its own was. And the reason wow. why I needed to know that and I needed to understand that is because I had been lacking a love for myself, an appreciation for myself, a respect for myself for an entire lifetime. And I felt like this sport, being an individual sport, was going to be this perfect vehicle through which I could find me and where I could discover what I'm capable of on my own. And the hope was that through that process, I was going to realize that I'm strong and realize that I'm brave and realize that I can fail and fall and get back up again and that I can ultimately succeed. And that's what I so desperately needed to find that love and I guess worthiness even inside of myself. And and I know, you know, it shouldn't have to take going from not being able to swim to achieving this impossible dream of becoming a world champion. It shouldn't take that much, but for me, it just did. It took me accomplishing something that seemed impossible for me to truly feel safe in my own skin and to love myself. And, and that was the greatest gift of all. And, and that when I found that, that's when my whole life became about how can I help others? Um, Wow. Because that's very now I know why this whole thing happened and that we did this again. I needed to hear that message. Did you? That's why I needed to hear that. That's I mean, I'm like sitting here thinking about like, why did this, you know, like, why did this happen that we needed to redo this? And I think for me, I've always same thing team. It's always been about team, whether it was growing the, um, you know, the crew program or whether it was you know teaching the life mastery or growing a business. Right. It was all about the team. And uh, I love that. I love that you put, you know, that you needed to find my, your impact on my own or find yourself and, and, and like really discover what you could do on your own. I, that's a very important, I think, message for me, you know, because I'm always like, how can I help everybody? And like, how can I make everybody shine? It was, I was uh, talking with the ladies. I have a group of ladies in Inner Circle group. And I was like, well, I'm going to bring this person on and I'm going to bring this person on. And they're like, are you there? Yes. And they're like, we want to hear from you. And I'm like, you do? Like, I, I thought you want to hear from everybody else, everybody that I know. Like, what do you want to hear, like, from me? And there, I think there's this part of us, and because we always want to help and serve and, and, and do those things that sometimes we don't understand our true value about who we are. And, right. and so for, for you, you know, I mean, I know that you always continue to – you're always continuing to learn in order to stay on top of things. What are some of the things that you learned about yourself when you realized you you said, um, let's forget life mastery, right? He talks about the different, what did you learn about yourself? Because like you said, here you went from someone who, which is me totally, I can swim. I could do the, the breaststroke, you know, that's about it. What about yourself 
and how do you keep that hunger going? What I learned about me. You there? I'm, yes. Can you hear me? Lauren? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. What I learned Thank about you. me throughout that. Yeah, I hear you. Number one, I, I learned who I was and I learned that I, I do have the courage to, you know, like I said, in that first race, people were laughing at me. Like I was kind of a joke and, but I wasn't even focusing on that. I remember that later, but during, when I was out there, like I had just never felt so alive. And I realized that that aliveness inside ourselves is so incredibly important. And I realized about life that you're going to fail. You're going to be disappointed. And you can't just, after your first failure, assume that, oh, this isn't what I'm meant to be doing. You have to understand that that failure is there to teach you something. That failure is there to strengthen you. That failure is there to give you the tools so that you ultimately can succeed. And I learned that I had that resilience and I had that relentlessness where, okay, I failed, but now I'm just going to, you know, figure out another way of doing things and I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to give up. And I really, for having failed so many times on this path that was a total of eight years, um, I'm really, I was so proud of myself that I never did give up. And that ultimately gave me the chance to become a world champion. And, and that changed yes. my life. It changed the way I looked at myself. But, I mean, that's your world champion in so many things that you do. I mean, you know, we always talk about how you do anything is how you do everything. I mean, I'm just, I'm hearing the story about that. Like you said, like eight years, I just didn't give up. Right. Or like when, um, like, I just even think about like, you know, you like speaking at the events like you're like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna find where my place is right like it was either gonna be leadership academy upw like and like that whole thing about never giving up but even just like the things that you've been through recently when a lot of people would have said you weren't gonna survive if yeah. you would right like you had to believe oh i'm gonna i'm gonna be a world champion in this yes Yes, exactly. And what about and not, that? What, how will break through that thinking so that yes, they don't yes. give up? It's a matter of really. Yeah, what, what, like, what is it that you help people break through that thinking? It's your belief about yourself. And for me, it's not that I necessarily, because I declared after that first race where I came in dead last, I declared to my mom that I was going to be the best in the world in this sport. And she looked at me and like, nearly cried because she thought it was so ridiculous, but she wanted to support me and love me through it. So she's like, okay, honey, I'll support you for, for two years, but promise me if nothing's working out by then that you go back to doing something that you're good at. And I made her that promise, but it was, I made in that moment of making that decision, I also made a commitment to myself that I would do absolutely everything in my power to achieve this. And that meant, you know, literally putting my heart and soul and everything I had into this and immersing myself in the sport and modeling the best people and going to where I needed to go to learn from the best. So in a sense, it's backing yourself. It's not like I believed that I was going to become a world champion, but I knew that's what I wanted. And I backed myself and I backed myself enough to say every decision that I make is going to be one that leads me closer to making this dream come true. So number one, it's backing yourself. Whether you believe or not that you're capable of achieving something, at least back yourself 
for the process, for the mission that's ahead of you. And give yourself every opportunity to get there. And that means, you know, being kind. I used to, to always think like, okay, if someone else was doing this right beside me and they had this dream that they wanted more than anything in the world, but they had a big failure, am I going to tell them, oh, just give up. It's not going to work for you. Or am I going to say, hey, you're going to learn from this. It's going to make you even better. So I would try and speak to myself as I did, as I would speak to someone else that was on the same path as me. And that means never giving up on yourself. And that's just, um, yeah, backing yourself is the biggest thing that you need. But to there's do. so many things, but there, there's, there's so many things that you've said in that one statement <laughs> you know you talked about having a clear path and having that vision which you really are talking about is vision and that you made it a really a non-negotiable for yourself that you were gonna make it happen right yes. you were like you were committed so it sounds like when I when I'm hearing you talk about it, is that you really had distractions you really have to give up some things but I want this so bad you had this hunger in your belly that you were gonna make it happen and I think nowadays, um, what would you say to her? Because there, there are so many distractions around, right? Where people, <laughs> the, the, the shiny penny over here, I could do this, I could do that, I could start this, I could start that. So it sounds really about vision, laser focus. You turn to your mentors, you, you look for mentors, you made a public commitment to everybody that you were going to, I'm looking for like, it sounds your winning formula of what you do. And it sounds like, is that, would you say that exactly what you do when you have any kind of challenge? when you declare that declare like um, anything in your life, like with regards to the horses and with regards to you know, your health, you know, breakthrough that you just had, would you say that that's what it, it is for you? Is that what the, is that what you would, the steps you would give people? And what would you say? Absolutely. I think you make a decision. And then from that point on, you leave no stone unturned. And that means doing everything in your power, tackling every single aspect that can have an effect on your succeeding or not succeeding. And a lot of people will look upon that as having to sacrifice because there are all these other things, you know, of course I would have loved to be out partying with my friends or, you know, going on holidays, but no, I was training six to eight hours a day and going to bed early and eating all the right things. And, but that, I don't see that as a sacrifice. I see that as I knew what I needed to do in order to succeed. And because I wanted to succeed so, so badly, that wasn't a sacrifice for me. That was just something I needed to do as a part of my recipe. And you have to decide what right. matters to you. Like really decide right. how important is this to me? Because if it matters, if it's, if it's lighting up your soul, then yeah, you need to discipline your focus so that every single decision you're making in your life is one that is going to strengthen you and see you getting closer towards achieving your goal. And, you know, that's a commitment you make to yourself and, and to your mission. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. And just ask, I love that. Now I've got, now I've got my Siri, now I've got my Siri, that one quote that will transform my life, right? Like how important is this to me? And being dirt honest, serious. Or that, that, you know, my impact on my own. Those two things are really, I'm telling you, I know why we had this again. So let's talk about the biggest challenge that you've had to go through recently and how that's impacted you to be very 2.0 or three, whatever that you are, you're even more amazing. 
what tell, let's just share about that if you don't mind and and what you've taken what you've learned and applied that to just now in your life and what's important so in november of 2019 um i got a phone call from my doctor uh telling me that i had acute myeloid leukemia and i had a genetic mutation that was going to make this really difficult to treat and man, in that moment, you know, having been an athlete my whole life and taking care of my body and doing all the right things and being grateful, like I, I, I couldn't believe this was happening to me. And it, 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 when I heard the words, it just like brought me to my knees and I was in shock. I was terrified. I was devastated. And my wife, Beck, was, was standing there listening and she just had tears, you know, flooding out of her eyes. And I looked in her eyes and I had never felt such a deep, deep love for anyone or anything or from anyone or from anything in my entire life as I did in that moment. And in that moment, my doctor is still on the phone. And I just screamed out, this is the most powerful decision of my entire life. I said, this is not my time to go. I've got too much loving to do and giving to do and work to do in this world. I am going to survive and I am going to thrive. And I made the decision in that very moment. And just like making the decision in the sport, what then happens is that every single decision I made, every thought that I had, I was going to ensure was going to send me in the direction of healing, surviving, and thriving. As hard as that was at times, because, you know, cancer's freaking hard. And, but every tool that I had learned in my own experience as an athlete and, and getting through life, I had realized that especially through all these Tony Robbins events, I'd become the master of my mindset. Mm -hmm. Not in that I thought perfect thoughts at all, because, but I knew how to catch myself in a thought that was only going to make me suffer or prevent me from healing and quickly acknowledge that thought and turn it around and, and turn it into a thought that was going to strengthen me and lead me closer to healing. So every single day, you know, throughout the entire day, I was like disciplining my thoughts from what I didn't want to be thinking about to what I knew I needed to think about to help me heal. And this was a process and, and this took a lot of energy, but this was something that I truly believe saved my life. And I think about moments because the most difficult time of it all yeah, was yeah. when I was in the hospital for over a month for my intensive chemo and radiation and then the bone marrow transplant. And I would sometimes get in moments where I was so weak and so sick and so devastated and so sad and I just feel awful like I was dying and I would catch myself and I would think about my amazing wife that hadn't left my side and I would just see her in my mind and I'd feel so grateful. And I'd look at my mom who was like sleeping on the couch in my hospital room every night for over a month. And I'd think, oh my God, I'm so grateful for her love and her care. And I'd look at the walls and I had my vision boards like covering every inch of the wall. And I'd remember like what this life that's awaiting me for when I get healthy and then I'd look at, um, can you, see, oh, you can see Lauren, but your listeners won't be able to. But over my shoulder, I have a picture of me winning the world championships. And that really was the impossible dream coming true. 
And I would look at that. I'd be in my hospital bed and I would see that yeah. poster and I would remember who I am. And I would remember the strength I have. And I would remember that in the past, I have proven that the impossible is really possible. And I will prove that again. So just creating that bridge from my, you know, desperate, you know, feeling so sick and weak and sad, just bridging over to gratitude, you know, disciplining myself to, to, to be grateful, it suddenly would give me this strength. And it would make me feel better. And I'd start having more hope. And I'd start remembering who I am. And then I would believe that everything is going to be okay. So every tool, Lauren, came into my life to help me overcome this that really has been the, the, the biggest challenge of my entire life. Right. And I'm so grateful that I had these tools. And also the right. tools, because I think another important thing, if you don't mind me adding... I believe that when we get sick and we need to heal, that is a perfect time to kind of clean up your soul. And what I mean by that is I feel like things like, you know, being hurt or, or holding resentment or anger inside of you, it kind of, it creates blockages to healing. So I went in and I kind of sweeped up my soul and I thought about, okay, who in my life has hurt me that I haven't forgiven yet? Or what have I done in my life that I haven't forgiven myself for? And I went through and I forgave. I forgave, you know, anybody that had upset me or hurt me. I forgave myself for moments that, that didn't make me proud. And I really worked on those things in my soul so that I could open up free space for the healing to come through. And I think well, it's funny that I don't know if you remember, I wanted to do this, um, this podcast. And I, the reason I wanted to do is I wanted to, to do it right before Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, because that's what you're, for, for the Jewish New Year, you're supposed to, you know, let go of anything that you, anybody that you may be wrong to make sure you, know, you ask for their forgiveness, anything that, you know, all of those things that we forgive ourselves for and, um, you know, forgive, forgive others for whatever. And like you said, sweep your soul. And so I'm excited because um, we're going to be able to run this. Actually, it's all, it should happen between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. So it's cool that you sent that message. And that's everybody's opportunity, whether it's, you know, hopefully you don't have to, like you said, go to, you know, get super sick. Um, to have that, every day, have an, like you said, of course, we, we have those feelings at times, but we don't live there anymore, right, is what you're saying. It's like, okay, you're going to do it. And then really, really, not just just saying the words which you're grateful for, but you really, truly, like, you, you took it in, right? Like, you totally embraced it. One of my favorite parts of Life Mastery, I think I shared this the last time with you, was there's a part of Life Mastery on the very first day, and it was called Associate to the Body. And it's like, you thank your feet, you thank your eyes, you thank your heart. And I remember one time there was somebody that said, oh, we should just take that out of the life mastery. And I'm like, no, you can't take that out of life mastery. I go, that's the most important thing for people to, to hear every day. They got to like anchor that in about how grateful they are for their fingers that move and their heart that pumps without asking them to do anything. And that, what I hear you saying is you've really taken those things and that's what helped you create that healing. You also talked about belief. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the horses right now. Oh, and just to finish up 
and how we can all, all you know, you, you do that. I was sharing on the last one that we did, and I told you that my cousin was a uh, equestrian, right? And how in tune that the horse was with her. Had her for 25 one day, just bucked her off or something, and it turned out that she was so in tune with, with the horse that the uh, um, horse found ovarian cancer. Wow. Unbelievable. And it caused all of us to go in to make sure we didn't have the BRCA gene, right? But I know for you that it's all that you and Beck, it's all about these horses and the healing power of the horses and um, how that what they've given you. So I think it was, I can't believe it was only four years ago that you guys got started with this. I mean, it feels like it's been a mission of yours forever. When you said that last time that it's only been four years, I was like, look at how many horses you've helped you and Willie Nelson. I told my husband, I'm like, yeah, Willie Nelson has saved thousands of horses. My husband's like thousands. And I'm like, well, no, and I looked up and it was 70, but I was like, pretty excited. I'm like, it's still, it's still a bunch of horses out there, these wild horses that he's helped save. So could yeah. you share a little bit about your, your, what got you going with the horses and um, how we can all support? Oh, I would love to. We, I rescued a horse for, uh, actually in 2016. Yeah. So four years ago, her name is Savannah and she came into my life and pushed me to all new levels of self-discovery, like literally in order to create a great relationship with a horse, you, you have to prove to them that you are a kind and fair leader and that they can count on you. This is a 1500 pound animal and you're meant to kind of get them to trust that you can protect them and lead them. So she really pushed me to embracing my inner leader, like more than I ever had before. And, and, help me find a courage and a bravery and a confidence in myself that I didn't even know existed. So she really changed my life. And, and one day I said to Beck, you know, what, why did we have to save her? What did we save her from? And we got online and I saw this video of horses being slaughtered for human consumption. And it was the most brutal, horrific thing I've ever seen, literally because horses have such long necks unlike a cow that gets shot once and, and they die, a horse has to be shot five or six times and they're dismembered before they're even dead. It was awful. And I fell to, the, I'm not being dramatic, but I fell to the ground in floods of tears, wailing. My wife came running up the steps and thought someone had died. And I pointed at the screen. She started watching the video and she started crying and we looked at each other and we knew our lives were never going to be the same again because we had to do something to save animals from having to, to get to this place, but also end horse slaughter altogether. So we created Believe Ranch and Rescue, which is our nonprofit horse rescue. And in three years, we've rescued 116 horses from slaughter. And the best wow. part of this, if you're not a horse lover, but you love humans, most of the ones that we have adopted out have gone on to heal humans at equine therapy programs around the country. Um, horses have proven to be, wow. they, they heal people with PTSD, anxiety, addiction. Um, they help kids with disabilities and autism. Like they're such powerful healers, which makes it even more important for us to save them because it comes full circle and they end up healing humans. Um, but 60,000 horses a year are being 
sent to slaughter for human consumption. And the other thing is that the meat is toxic. So they shouldn't, people shouldn't be eating horse meat anyway. Um, but we've also created another nonprofit, um, a 501c4, which is called Horses in Our Hands. And our whole mission is to lobby Washington to pass the SAFE Act. And the SAFE Act is the act that will end the slaughter of horses for human consumption. And it's a bipartisan bill. So it's, there's many people on both sides that support it. And I think it's 82% of Americans want to end horse slaughter. So it's a highly supported bill, but it just needs to be pushed to the floor. So all our work is here at Believe Radio. So how do we, how do we all participate in that? How um, do we all participate in that? If you want to support Believe Ranch and Rescue, which we could use the support, every dollar helps so much, um, www.believeranchandrescue.org. We're on Instagram at Believe Ranch and Rescue and Facebook at uh, Believe Ranch and Rescue. And then Horses in Our Hands uh, is um, www.horsesinourhands.com. All you have to do there, there's a, a box that you click. It says ban horse slaughter now. It takes literally 60 seconds of your time to put your information in. Your information will not be shared publicly at all. It's just for this. And we will, on your behalf, send a letter to your local legislator encouraging them to pass the SAFE Act. 60 seconds of your time and you can be a part of making history. We've been trying to pass this bill for 19 years and we are so close and we really believe it's going to happen. These animals are beautiful. Wow. Please help us. Wow. It's very little time and you can have a huge impact. Thank you, Lauren. Well, you, um, you've inspired me I always. I just want you to know that you, as I think I shared this last time as well with you, was I was talking about you to my husband and we were in Utah, and I was talking about everything that you do to help with the horses. And we actually went and, um, and bought a bunch of, we bought 50 acres in Utah. And we we're like, oh my gosh, we got to go up to visit them and figure out how we can help them to save more horses. And so I just want you to know that you have, you have inspired us and that, that just the processional effect of all that you're doing, just know that you are making a huge, huge difference. So that um, I know you're doing things on your own, but I want you to know you're not doing things by yourself <laughs> because we're all here. <laughs> How about that? You've got a team that's cheering you on in so many ways. But the final question, um, what do you, what's something that you do? What's something that you do to stay true to yourself every day? What's something that you is a non-negotiable for you to do to stay true to yourself every day? I, and this is going to sound a little silly, but I wake up every morning and I think about three things I'm grateful for. I think that's so incredibly powerful. But then I take that a step further and I think about three things I'm grateful about myself um, to remind myself to, yeah. to really kind of nurture that self-love, which is so important for all mm -hmm. of us. I truly believe we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. So I want to honor myself every day by celebrating the things I love about myself. And when I go to bed, celebrating three things that I accomplished or that I feel good about during that day, no matter how small it could be, it could be, you know, making the, the clerk at the grocery store smile. That could be one of the things that I'm proud of at the end of the day, but that's something 
that I don't negotiate because I understand that loving myself is so incredibly important as far as what I can give to others and to the world. And so I really want to nourish that relationship with myself. I love it. You know, there's a little song I'm going to sing to you that I used to, um, I'm not going to actually sing it because I'm taking my, my first singing lesson starts tomorrow with my friend, Nicole. Um, but she's amazing. She actually is singing for the New York Giants, the game, I think, or she just sings for, wow. but she's amazing. You'll love her. You'll have to see her. Please she's sing. just on one of my, at one of my voice. events, uh, virtually. Okay. So here's, here's how the song goes. I'm singing it for you and sing for everybody. And I used to sing it to my kids when they were babies. And I learned it from a church called the Living Enrichment Center with Mary Mann and Morrissey. It was up in Portland, Oregon. We lived there. And what I loved about the church, it was whatever your pathway to God is, it's welcome here. So, you, you know, she would take something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament, something from the Quran, something, uh, you know, so she would. Uh, so it was very, very cool. So here's the song. It goes like this. He goes, I love myself so much, so I can love you so much, so you can love you so much, so you can start loving me. So like you just said, we can't give what we don't have. So I'll sing it a little bit for you guys. I love myself so much, so I can love you so much, so you can love you so much. So you can start loving me. <laughs> I so love dancing. it. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. And I love you so much. So you can love you so much. And how do they get a hold of you if they want to get your book? I want to buy a bunch of your books and give them to those people that come about the podcast but not about you siri I and mean, everything else that you do i would love to offer up a a book for one of the listeners so you decide how you want to give that out my book is called surfacing from the depths of self-doubt to winning big and living fearlessly i think you'll love it so i want to give one away for sure and i'm just on instagram at siri lindley facebook siri lindley um, stay in touch. Lauren, I love you. You're an inspiration. Thank you for being you. I love you too, sweetie. Thank you. You've been listening to the Get Real and Stay True podcast with Lauren Lahab. Head over to laurenlahab.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-L-A-H-A-V.com. And as her way of saying thank you for being a listener and subscriber to this podcast, grab a free copy of Paving Your Path with Positivity, Affirmations to Create the Change You Desire. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast and Lauren will talk to you on the next episode.